Well, good morning to you. Great to see you this morning at East Bay Calvary Church. You awake? Yes. yes. Okay. Ryan's awake. Okay. A little too awake. <laughs> we only get to see that bumper one more time. Next week is our final week in our series. Um, it's not about us, and it really isn't. Uh, we're going to be starting a brand new series on the 17th of September, and I'm excited with that. We have a whole new bumper that we're going to be uh, revealing here shortly, and a whole new series that's going to be geared on the purpose of the church, intentional church, and um, what's the goal of the church. That's going to be an exciting fall series together. I just, I can't wait. I really can't. It's going to be great. Uh, I forgot something in the past. This is my first time around this cycle with our ministry. And we take a um, we take what's called a helping hands offering. Probably a lot of you folks are like, yeah, duh. Well, this is kind of new for me. And, um, <clears throat> and I missed out on that with our uh, most recent communion. When we take the Lord's table, oftentimes we have our ushers in the back at the doors. <clears throat> and, um, and we just put cash in some of these uh, containers and what that does it helps us care for people in the community and I've been surprised and pleased though of the number of people that our ministry has been able to help in my short eight nine weeks here it's really exciting to see our church reaching out touching people within our community and if you have the opportunity to give to that helping hands offering as we walk out today uh, do remember that uh, at the end as we go <clears throat> Well, you got that other uh, portion of your study guide there with you on the back of your worship folder. Grab that if you would. We're going to do a little bit of studying this morning in a book that probably many of us do not go to on our typical basis. It's the book of Malachi. Malachi. And I'll let you start looking for it now. And if you find it by the end of the message, you'll get a sticker on your way out. It's not a book you normally go to. Not many people is there. Life verse, you know, Malachi 3, 6, that's the one that really did it for me. But it might be the one that does it for you today as we uh, do a little bit of work together in the book of Malachi. Uh, change, change is not always a popular word. In fact, fill in the blank, don't say it out loud, but in your mind, when you think of the word change, what do you think of? Some people would say change is scary. For some people, change is really scary. For others, change is unnecessary. Why do we need to make change? You know, you've, yeah, I know, we've heard that. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Why? You don't need to touch it, leave it alone. For other people, change is exciting. Yeah, oh boy. Change is good, some people will say. Well, uh, I read a story recently of a man from the back mountains of Tennessee. He found himself one day in a large city for the very first time, never been to the big city, and he was standing outside an elevator and he was looking at this, wondering, why is there this little room behind these thick steel doors and and as he's standing there looking at it, trying to figure it out, the doors opened up and this old lady, all hobbled, she slowly walks into that elevator and the door shut behind her. 
and you stand there wondering what's going on. And about 60 seconds later, the door opens up and out walks this gorgeous young woman. And he saw her and said to his son, Billy, go get your mother. <laughs> well, whether we like it or not, whether we like it or not, things change. If you don't believe me, I'll meet you in the foyer and you bring your yearbook from high school, huh? Things change. Bring your wedding album. I'd love to see it. And then you tell me things don't change, huh? Everything changes. Change happens for a number of reasons. Um, new information becomes available. You got one of these on you? It gets smaller and smaller and smaller. I, I get the biggest kick every time I walk down the hallway out here. And you probably haven't noticed it forever, but because I'm new, I have. I walk down this hallway right out here, and guess what you have out there that probably hasn't been used for 10 years? A courtesy phone. Like, really? I, there's got to be dust an inch thick on that thing. No one uses a courtesy phone anymore. Everyone brings their phone to church with them. If they need to call out, they do it. So things change when we get more information or more technology. Our cars, probably some of you folks have some old stories about your car. Before power steering, before AC, before power brakes. And we've got all of these things and airbags. And there's this global understanding. We don't know it all. We're not perfect. Whatever we do can be tweaked and improved upon or replaced by something better. There's new information comes. There's greater efficiency that's there. And it all brings change. And change happens. Whether you like it or not, it does. And for change, it's kind of a tough word sometimes to bring up in a church. I ran across the church's law on change, and here's what it is. The church's law on change, it goes like this. Nothing is ever done until everyone is convinced that it ought to be done and has been convinced for so long that it is now time to do something else. I don't know if you've ever heard the church's law on change. That's what it is. And last week we talked about Jonah, about the reality that churches change, like it or not. And the scriptures deal with a very difficult truth that those people that are a part of church ministry, in fact, Romans 15 says it better than me. It says that the strong need to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please themselves. If anyone flexes in church, it's us. And we flex for the weak. We flex for the new. We flex for the lost. We, we flex for the brand new believer. We flex for our kids and our teens that need to know Jesus Christ. And so when there is change in church, God looks at us. God looks at the church. He looks at the strong and he says, you know what? You be ready to flex for those who are just coming along to please them and to help them. I want to give you, um, I'm kind of going rogue a little bit here this morning. We'll get back to our notes in just a second. I want to give you with that something um, that's really important to think about. Because in church there are some things that, that will never change. And here's one way I like to put it. We hold our message and our mission 
tightly. Yet we hold our methods loosely. We hold our methods loosely. However, our message, our mission, we hold on dearly. Those are things that never, ever change because God's word never changes, amen? Never changes. And those are things we never adjust. They never need improvement. They never need to be tampered with. We don't need a new updated, you know, 21st century, here's the new God's word because the old God's word isn't really effective anymore. Never. It never needs to be adjusted in any way. And then there's some changes that are tough. And maybe that's why you're here today. There can be a change like a reverse change in your marriage status. Or your child that you devoted your life to is now found the devastating allures of what's around them. And your family is dramatically changed. There can be change from the effects of sin. There can be a change from the effects of age, illness, death. And even if we don't like the change in society and technology and clothing style and music, there's no getting past the fact that our bodies change, our health changes, our lives change, and there's nothing we can do to reverse it. And I just thought of this here the other day. From the second we are created in the womb as that little tiny fertilized egg, you have been on a journey of change ever since and will be on that journey of change all the way up until the day we leave here and breathe our next breath um, in heaven. Constant world of change. Well, in a world of change, with our lives changing on a regular basis, I've got some great news for you today, enough to make even a Christian smile in church. And it's what we're going to talk about today. And here's what it is. It's the best thing I could ever tell you. God never changes. God never ever changes. And that's the book of Malachi that you have in front of you right now. If you would um, turn to Malachi in chapter one, I'm, I just need to give you a little bit of background as you are there and navigating through this book of the Bible. There's six oracles. I know this is going to be, um, you know, a, a little bit on the, on the scholarly side, but there are six oracles in Malachi. And basically they go like this, is seen as a conversation between God and Israel. So God says to Israel a statement is where Israel will reply to that statement and then normally God will correct them. We're gonna see how that works through in just a moment. And what had happened here is God made promises to Israel all the way back at the very beginning to Abram in Genesis 12. And God says, I'm gonna give you a land, I'm gonna give you a seed and I'm gonna bless the whole world through you. However, along the line, after these promises God made to Israel, these unconditional promises, Israel began to question God's character. And here's what happened. Israel began to drift away from God. And as Israel moved away from God, God said, you know what? I need to get their attention and I know what I'm gonna do. I'm going to have Babylon sweep in and take them captive. That will get their attention. 
And then I'm going to have the Edomites come in and they are just going to go right through their land and pillage them and take everything away. And that'll get their attention. It certainly did. But here's what happened. God made these promises to Israel. Israel started to drift. God got their attention. But then Israel said, you know what? I think God's changing. And here's a couple things that they questioned about him. You there in Malachi 1? Malachi chapter 1. Notice verse 2. Here's the first oracle. Here's God's word first to them. I have loved you, says the Lord. But you ask, so here's their conversation back to him. How have you loved us? So Israel initially says, God, I think you don't love us anymore. You took that land away. And you've been taking our things away through these individuals that have come and pillaged us. Israel is carried away for 70 years to a foreign land. Israel questioned God's love for them. That's one of your first blanks there in your study guide. They questioned God's love for them. God, we think you've changed. We think your love has changed. We don't think you're this loving God that you said you were all the way in the beginning. You've changed. Here's number two. Look over in chapter two. That first oracle continues. It goes on over to chapter two. Here's another oracle or conversation. Chapter two, verse 17. You have wearied the Lord with your words. That's God's words to them. You've wearied the Lord with your words. They say, how have we wearied him? And here's God's word back. By saying, all who do evil are good in the eyes of the Lord, and he is pleased with them. Or where is the God of justice? Here's the second thing Israel questioned about God. They question God's justice. They question God's justice. God, not only do we wonder if you are loving anymore, we wonder if you're just. And God kept hearing these phrases from the people. Where's this God of justice? He seems to love the people that don't love him and he doesn't care about us anymore. Where is your justice? Israel's enemies were just thumping them, and God wasn't just stopping it all. That's the end of it. He was letting it go on, and Israel not only questioned God's love, they questioned God's justice, and essentially they said this, God must have changed. I think God changed. Here's the big word for you today. It's the big theological word. I'm going to give it to you. You can take it home. You can impress your friends and neighbors with it. But I'm also going to give you what the definition of it is because that's the most important thing. And here's what it is. They question God's, here's the word, immutability. They question God's immutability. And here's what immutability is. It's a blank on your study guide. <coughs> immutability is that God is unchanging in his nature, his character, his ability, his knowledge, 
his essence. God is unchanging in his nature, character, ability, knowledge, and essence. And essentially, they judge God's changing on their circumstances changing. You ever do that? I sure have. Can I tell you about a time when I did? This is uh, 24 years ago. I was in youth ministry in Ohio. I was single. I was really doing the best I could. And I'm gonna sound really old. I started working there for $18,000 a year. And I know there's some people saying, wow, that's a lot. When I started work, I know the stories. We'll compare notes in the foyer after. But um, I was barely scraping by, barely. Trying to do the very best I could. And there was a youngster in our youth group. Uh, his name was Aaron, and his dad was having a liver transplant. They did not expect him to live. He was 16 years old. His mom wanted to get him a car. And she's, she's saying, you know, this is stuff dad would normally do. Dad would go with us. Dad would help us figure out if it's a good car. Dad would do all these things. And so, you know, I said, I'll, I'll go. Let's go. I'll go with you. I'll pick you up in my car. And I picked them both up in my car and Aaron was up front with me and his mom was in the back and we're chatting as we're going along to the car dealership. He said, I picked out three and we were gonna go to this car dealership. We were gonna look at them together and as we're going down the road, doing what I think is the best thing I can do for God and I changed lanes and wouldn't you know it, someone just crashed right in the side of my brand new Honda Civic. And I'm just going to let you in on the inside thoughts that I had. The sanctified, cleaned up version of the thoughts I had. Thanks a lot, God. Trying to do what I can do for you. And look at you. Look at you treating me this way. And I was judging God's character. I'm like, God, you have changed. This isn't the same God I signed up with and was singing, there's joy in serving Jesus. You've changed. That was all because of the circumstances. And these are nothing compared to what battle scars we could share. I'll tell you another one, and this may sound really ridiculous, was when our yellow lab was hit on Christmas Eve about six years ago. And I'm, when I had found her out in the road and scooped her up and put her in the back of my gator and drove her out into the woods and got my shovel and started digging and digging and digging 
And I remember the thoughts going through my mind. <clears throat> You've changed, God. You've been there? You look at God based upon what's happening to us and you think maybe he's changed. That's where Israel was. That's where I've been. I think that's probably where we've all been. I'm going to give you scriptural basis that God doesn't change. I'm going to give you a logical basis that God doesn't change. And then I'm going to give us the good this is the upside, and then I'm going to give you the downside about God's immutability. So let me just give these to you. Here's the scriptural basis. I don't know if these are on your notes or not. Um, uh, if not, let me, here they are. I'm going to tell you the passages. You write them down. You can look them up later, but Numbers 23, 19. Numbers 23, 19 says this. God is not a man that he would lie, nor a son of man that he would ever change his mind? Doesn't he speak and then not act? Doesn't he promise and then fulfill? Here's another one, 1 Samuel 15, 29. He who is the glory of Israel does not lie or change his mind. God is not a man that he would ever change his mind. Here's another one, James 1.17. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights. Who does not change like shifting shadows? That's James 1.17. He does not change. And then here's one I learned as a youngster, Hebrews 13.8. Maybe you know it too, and here's how it goes along. If it sounds familiar, chime in along with me. It says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and, and forever. He in no way changes. <clears throat> he is always the same. And the Bible billboards the reality <clears throat> that although we change, life changes, circumstances change, God is rock-solid Gibraltar and nothing ever adjusts with his nature, his essence, his character, his abilities, his knowledge, it is all full and complete and perfect in every way. It is never less than what he's ever been, and it can never be more than what he's been. He doesn't change. I'm going to give you two logical reasons why from <clears throat> Scripture Reasons why God's character cannot change. It can't change because it's perfect. Realize that for something to change, it has to change for the better or for the worse. You realize that? You ever see the phrase on something? You know it. You see a product, it comes out, and it'll say, hey, this is new and... Yeah, now let me just, let me just blow that out of the water. Is that the most ridiculous thing? If something is new, it can't be improved because it's new. And you're just thinking like, wow, I just realized that. Like, It can't be improved if it's brand new. True? Is this just me or? I got it, yeah. 
And if it's improved, it can't be new because that meant there was one that wasn't quite as good. So it's not new. But for God, everything that he is, his character, attributes, nature, his plan is rock solid perfect and for it to adjust means it wasn't good enough and he had to change it or maybe he came into new information or maybe he isn't able to perform what he said he could and he had to reduce it. So any thought that God changes is an attack on the reality that he's perfect. Here's number two. His character cannot change because he is all-knowing. If God changed, then new information came to light requiring the change. And if new information came to light, then God is not all-knowing. Because when someone changes his or her mind, it's because new information has come to light that was not previously known or a circumstance came out that they had no idea happened, and then they have a different idea or action. And because God is perfectly omniscient, he can't learn something new that he didn't already know. He is unchanging because he's perfect, because he's all-knowing. His character never, ever adjusts. So in Malachi, I'm just going to jump to the whole big gig here. In Malachi, if God wasn't the one changing... And he wasn't. Guess who was? Israel. There were a few things in the text. Here's what they were doing. In in chapter 1, 6 and 7, and 12 through 14, they were sacrificing. They were doing what God said, but they were giving him their worst stuff. God, you want the sacrifice, but you know what? Here's that stinking crippled goat that was out in the pasture that we really don't want. So that's for you. We're going to keep the good for us. Ryan, is this yours? It's mine? There's just no lipstick on it. I'm okay. (laughs) Oh, boy. (laughs) Here's another one. They were changing about what they were giving to God. They were changing about their attitude about family and marriage. Chapter 2, verse 14 and 16, they had a very disposable attitude about marriage and family. And then chapter 3, verse 6 through 10, they stopped giving altogether to God. The text says they were robbing God. God didn't change. God's character stayed the same. It was Israel that was changing. They were rapidly changing and drifting away from God. And it kind of reminds me of when I was a kid and going out fishing. And I remember we were out in this one lake and and we were just nailing fish left and right as we cast it out there. And, and on the other side, on the shore, there was this old tree that was there, and it had fallen, and there was this large stump that stayed, and, and it was kind of in line with that, that I was, we were just nabbing these guys left and right. 
And then, over time, all of a sudden, we weren't catching much. And I'm thinking, why not? And I looked over here to the shore, and the stump wasn't there anymore. And I realized it wasn't the stump that moved. It was me. And that's the scenario that God was expressing to Israel. Do you think I've changed? No. It's Israel that changed. And I realize when it comes to this life, if we ever think God has changed, no. It's us. It's us. And so the Lord gives an oracle, the one that we need to remember. It is verse 6 of chapter 3. If you would look there, if you have a, a habit of underlining or highlighting in your Bible, this is the one to highlight or underline and grab a hold of. And here's the beauty of it all. Here's what God tells Israel, <clears throat> verse 6. I, the Lord, do not change. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. And here's what God is telling them. <clears throat> you think I've changed because your circumstances are not aligning well, but you know what? He says, I made a promise all the way back in Genesis you will be a nation, you will have land, you will be a blessing to the whole globe. So he says, here's the deal. If I did change, you would not exist. If I stopped loving you, you would no longer be on the face of the earth. And I'm telling you that because I never change, you're still here and I'm gonna keep my promises to you. Here's the upside of God's immutability, the upside. And here's the beauty of it. I want you to just to marinate in this, to let it soak into you. The upside of God's immutability is God keeps his promises, period. You find a promise from scripture for you, realize God will keep it. Here are some, I will never leave you. And it finishes with, I will never forsake you. God will always be with you, period. And even if you wonder, the reality is he does not change. He will make good on his promises. Another one is God works everything together for good. Everything that we go through, it has purpose. It has meaning. It has a whole reason why God is doing it, and it's going to happen. Here's another promise God gave you and gave me, and I will supply all your needs in Christ Jesus. He'll take care of us. And I know there's some of those nail-biting moments when we're wondering, what's going to happen? Is God really going to make good on his promise? Here's the reality. He doesn't change. He takes care of us. Here's another one. This is the best one. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. You'll be rescued. If you put your faith and trust in Jesus, God says, you know what? You are my child. If you believe my son died on the cross for you, you're my kid. And no one can change that. No one can take you out of my hand. You're forever mine. And even though there's those days and we screw up and we wonder, well, God, 
still love me, he doesn't change. He'll still love you. Here's another one. I'm faithful and just to forgive you your sins. Everything we could ever have done, God will forgive. And he does that because his character is unchanging. <clears throat> and then one last great promise. You ready for this one? I'm going to prepare a place for you. Doesn't that sound good? And from what I've heard about heaven, it's even better than Traverse City, Michigan. Isn't that neat? God never changes. He never, ever flops on his promises, ever. God's not like this daisy petal relationship. He loves me. He loves me not. He loves me. He loves me not. It's just he loves me. Can you just take a moment and breathe deep? with whatever you're going through right now. And realize even if your circumstance goes up and down, God never changes. He's always there. He will make good on all of his promises to you. He's never failed once. And because he's unchanging, He'll never, ever, ever fail. And maybe that moment of panic or worry or whatever you might feel about a situation you're experiencing, just rest in the unchanging character of God. That's the upside. Now the downside to God's immutability If you find yourself on the opposite side of God, <clears throat> if you're drifting or hard-hearted, or you think, you know what, nothing's happened to me so far, so I think I can just keep on doing this, maybe God's changed. Maybe my sin won't find me out. Maybe... There are lots of ways to heaven and it's just not by Jesus. Maybe it's changed now. I'm here to tell you the downside of immutability is it hasn't changed. Like there still is only one way to heaven. And there still is consequence to our wrong and our willful sin. Still does affect us. You know, we can't tell God, come on, God, you know, it's the 21st century. Get with the times, man. God doesn't change his character and nature and standard with the times. And if we think maybe I'll get to the end and I'll say I can reason with God, I think we can work this out. We're reasonable adults here. You know, things changed a little bit, and you realize the world I grew up in, and maybe these things, they just weren't a big deal then. He'll still say they were big to me. They were in my word. They were based upon my character and nature, which never changed. And we don't grade on the curve and let folks tell you what they think is right. It's really what I think is right that matters. 
That's what God says. One more rogue moment here for us this morning. Here's the beauty of God's unchanging character. If you look at our world today, and you look at the chaos and insanity that's going on, I just want to give you one reality about race, and it's this. And it's based upon the unchanging nature of God and his word, that all men are created in the image of God. It doesn't matter what color. It doesn't matter where they're from. All men are created in the image of God. And it doesn't matter if they're in the ghetto or if they wear a blue uniform. Everybody has value and worth because they're God's creation. And here's the other thing about this unchanging nature of God. You wonder about the value of humanity in light of today, that the heart of the gospel is predicated on his love for everyone. And I just got this brand new verse I found, John 3, 16. Say it with me. For God so the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting. For God so loved the world. The world. All of them. They all have worth and value. Where were we? There's a downside. Some people think nothing's happened. Nothing will ever happen. I think I can get away with it. There's new teaching out today that says maybe there's a different way to heaven. It don't matter. God hasn't changed and his word hasn't changed and there is this side that we need to throw a warning out and realize, friends, when we get to the other side, God grades on this right here, not in any newfangled thing that pops out in our society. And it's because his nature, his character, his essence is unchanging. It's never going to go. Here's the last three, and we're going to finish up with this. <clears throat> Since God doesn't change, I'm going to give you these three things. Since God doesn't change, we need to change. And we need to change for the better. <clears throat> we aren't God. We aren't perfect. And anytime we see what his standard is and we see who we are, then we realize, you know what? It is time not to change God's standard to fit me, but to change me to fit God's standard. And plain and simple, change for the better. And I want you to ask yourself personally, what's changed in me? So think about it. The last six months, what's changed in you for the better? How are you more like Jesus? How has your character and nature changed? What fruit of the Spirit are you growing into more? What things could people point to you and say, you are really doing something. What's going on with you? What's changing? And if you don't know if anything's changing, then I would send up the warning flag and say, you know what? I need to keep trying to become like the unchanging one, the permanent standard of who God wants me to be, change for the better. Here's number two. And this is one we all need to anchor in here this morning. Count on his promises. 
He is so reliable. God is so trustworthy. Trust him, stop worrying, realize he's never screwed up in the history of the world and he's not about to start screwing up. He knows exactly what he's doing and we can count on his promises. Even though our world seems to be going messy right now, even though we flip on the news and we wonder what is happening, it only billboards the reality that we need to be anchored in the one who doesn't change. Count on his promises. Here's number three. Don't push it. Don't push it. God doesn't waste his breath. He is just. It is coming Turn to him. He's not going to change his mind and say, you know what? Maybe I was a little strict on that one. If he says it, he means it. And we just ought not push it with him. And so with that in mind, would you close your eyes with me for a moment? I want you to have a sense in your mind <clears throat> We know God doesn't change. We rest in that. But I want you to look inside. Have you? Have you? The nature of the gospel is that God wants us to be rescued through the cross. And he wants to change us into his image. To be like him more and more every day. And often we're in the business of changing God to look more like us. And it just doesn't work that way. How are you changing? Which way is this going? And I want you in a moment of silence to really inspect your heart. Ask yourself some tough questions. If there's any business you need to do with God, do it right off the bat. And talk to him in your heart. There's things that need to be confessed, promises you want to make, goals you want to set. Would you do that right now in the silence?